Amen. Turning your Bibles this morning to Psalms chapter number 20. Psalms chapter number 20. We want to get into the Word of God this morning and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. We're going to look at the whole of this psalm, walk down through these nine verses and ask the Lord to speak to us. This psalm was written in a time when David was facing a struggle. He was about to enter a battle. They were up against a foe, something that they certainly needed to call upon God for. They were up against it. You know, human nature, when we are ready to face a battle, many times human nature would be to react instead of act. Human nature, many times, when we're in a struggle, when we're facing a battle, when we're going through a storm, we often will make decisions, we'll do things that we wouldn't normally do or we'll, we'll set a course or a pattern for our life because of the storm that we would never have set under calm seas. How many of you understand what I'm saying? That many times we make foolish or unwise decisions in the midst of a storm. What do they tell people that are going through grief? They say, don't make any major decisions for at least a year. Right? Because many times when you're in the face of such a hard and tumultuous times, you'll make decisions that are unwise, that are not good for you, that are not going to help you. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about the idea of in times like these. And I hope that you as a Christian will know that you're uh, holding on to the solid rock and that you've got Jesus Christ, and I'm going to ask you to try, in, with God's help, to weather the storm, don't make any foolish decisions so that you can come out the other side excited and thrilled about what God has done, how he's brought you through, instead of full of guilt and discouragement because of the decisions you made in the midst of the storm. Let's look here this morning in Psalms chapter number 20. We're going to walk through this text, but I want to read it for you. He says... We, of course, this isn't, no, this is a Psalm of David. He says here, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifices. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven and from saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save the Lord, let the King hear us when we call. Lord, we come to you this morning and I submit myself to you as a vessel, certainly unworthy to preach your word on my best day, but we're grateful, God, for the privilege and ask that the message that you would have would go forth in the spirit and with the power that you would desire it to, that we as God's people might be molded and changed into your image and strengthened for having been in God's house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Many times we go through storms in this life. Can I tell you that the storms are going to pass? We've all been through struggles. 
We've all been through troublesome times. Every single person in here has their own battle stories that they could tell. Some struggles that you faced many, many years ago that so consumed your heart and mind for the period of time that they were present, and you thought, boy, this is never going to end, and yet it has passed, and today you don't even remember that struggle. Now, there are other battles and struggles that you face that have left marks on you, sometimes even scars on your body or in your heart. There are things that you've gone through, and although uh, they've left some marks, they too have passed. What I'm saying is whatever battle, whatever trouble, whatever storm you're in right now, it's going to pass too. The question is, is when the storm passes, when you're back again on calm seas and enjoying sunny days, are you going to have regret for how you acted during the storm? Are you going to have guilt for decisions that you made when things weren't looking good? Or are you going to be able to rejoice and praise God for bringing you through the storm, for bringing you victoriously out of the battle? That's what I hope this morning that we'll go away with. First of all, I want to encourage you just to acknowledge the storm. He says here, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. There is going to be some days of trouble. That those days are present. I think everybody realizes that. We have all dealt with them. And if you're not currently dealing with them, you will someday. The Bible describes them as perilous times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, he describes this. But he says here, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. <coughs> you think that we are in perilous times today? I mean, you just look around. This, this war in Israel and all that's taking place over there, this is perilous times. We look at that and wonder, is, is it, is it going to affect us? Are we going to be involved in this? Is this going to turn into a world war? And just how many people's lives are going to have to have to be lost because of this turmoil? You know, the news cycle has been so consumed with the war in uh, Israel and what's going on there in uh, the Gaza Strip and such that they, it's almost as though they forgot there's a war going in Ukraine. There's still a war there. Just yesterday, uh, Russia launched uh, 75 drones onto Kiev, and uh, the, the, their defense systems were able to shoot down 74 of them. But one got through. Five people were injured, including an 11-year-old girl, completely innocent, not part of the struggle at all. So many people are hurt. We look at these things. These are perilous times. These are perilous times we're in. You say, Pastor, you're not telling us anything we don't know. It's certainly perilous times. We know that. I mean, some of you, your sinking fund has done sunk. I mean, your, your, your retirement fund is going, you thought you were retired and done working, and now it's looking like, you, you know, if this keeps up like this, you're going to have to go back to work. I mean, the 401k is, is dwindling. Uh, the, the things are not looking up as they might have at some time in the past. Well, you know, the Bible tells us that these are prophetic times. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 3, the disciples came to Jesus there on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? He says, what's it going to look like when you're about to come back? What is it when we're going to be able to say goodbye finally to this old world and all that's going on here? And we're not going to take time to read all of Matthew chapter 24. You can do that on your own. But I want you to know these are prophetic times. The Bible describes and tells us that the signs of the times are going to be, and it's the signs of the times. Amen? 
You can look at the wars and the rumors of wars. You can look at the, the earthquakes and, and all that's going on and the tsunamis and, and the, the, the uh, environmental things that are going on in the world. And, and you know, the Bible describes that that's going to happen when the end of days is going to come. These are perilous times. They're prophetic times. They're times that are full of many problems. Some of you are dealing with major family problems. Battles inside the home with people you love and care for dearly and you're just trying to figure out how to, how to repair the relationship or what you can do to make it better or why does it have to be so much stress and why does it have to be so hard and you, you, you just want to try and mend that relationship. Some of you are dealing with physical problems. You've got a disease attacking your body. Maybe even a life-threatening disease. These are battles you're facing. There's storms you in, and what I'm saying is we've got to be careful that in the storm we don't make unwise decisions because it's human nature to do so. When we're in the middle of the storm, boy, it's human nature to start throwing everything overboard. It's human nature to start sacrificing things that we value and appreciate just because of the storm. We're not sure if we're going to make it out the other side. When we get depressed and when we get fearful, we start to think this is the beginning of the end. This is it. These things are just always going to be this way. We begin to think there's going to be no end to this struggle. That there'll be no other side of this battle. That we, we begin to think that this is the way it's always going to be from now on. There's no hope and there's no help for me. Well, can I tell you this morning, in times like these, you need a Savior. Look at verse number seven. He says here in verse number seven, after he's describing all of these things that we're going to go back up to, we're going to see those in a second, but I want you to see I just put it in order of importance for us. Verse number seven says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Could I encourage you this morning, not only acknowledge the crisis, but I want you to accept Christ. Amen. He is the solid rock. He is that uh, that uh, unmoving and unchanging stable foundation that you can grab a hold of and it'll carry you through the storm. Some people trust in, in horses and some in chariots, but we need to look to and trust our Lord Jesus Christ. In times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, if you're grabbing a hold of and, and are, are resting on or hoping in anything else but Jesus Christ, your hope, your hope is going to falter. It's going to fall short. There is nothing else that's going to carry you through except Jesus. If you have put your faith and trust in anything else, can I tell you this morning that Jesus is the only way he says, I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If, you're, if you are trusting for your salvation, for your, your hope of heaven in, in your religion or in your righteousness 
your own good works, the deeds that you have done, the alms that you have given to the poor, the way that you're a kind person, do unto others. You've observed the golden rule and so you think you're doing good. I want you to know that's not enough. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good you are, you've come short of God's glory, which is his perfection. We can only be made perfect in and through Jesus Christ. In times like these, you need a savior. And I know there's tumultuous storms that come into our lives and you're not sure where to turn. Can I tell you today to turn to Jesus? Turn to Jesus. There is nothing in life that will reveal where your trust is faster than a crisis. In a crisis, you'll see very quickly who it is you're trusting in. This is almost a joke now. I put it in my notes. didn't realize how funny it was until I, I just looked at it. I put down here, don't trust in the economy. <laughs> like, pastor, that goes without saying. Yes, I, I, I realize that now. I could have left that out, right? Don't trust in your employment. How many of you know just people have been working the same place 35 years and one day they come in and say, well, we're downsizing. We're reevaluating. We're going to hire some young guys that are a lot cheaper than you. So we're going to uh, let you retire. Amen. Uh, that just happened to somebody in our church in the last couple of weeks. We're going to let you retire. You've got till December. Figure out what you want to do. You know, you just can't trust in that employment. You can't trust in your own estate. All what you've got saved up in the bank, you think everything's secure and doing okay. The thrill, beloved, the, the exciting thing is, is that we are not at the mercy of a self-serving corporation. Because we have a savior. We are not at the mercy of an inefficient government because we have a savior. The storm can look tumultuous, but you can grab a hold of that savior. My peace this morning, today, in the midst of a storm is not there because of what's going on around me. It's there because of what took place inside me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil. Do you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're holding the anchor today? That you have Jesus Christ. Could I encourage you, if you don't, trust him today before it's too late. The storms are going to come and the, 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 the wind is going to blow and the battle is going to be fierce. But if you have Jesus Christ, he'll carry you through. Then I want to encourage you this morning to accomplish your commitments Accomplish your commitments. Yes, you're in a battle. Yes, the storm is raging, but you have made some commitments. Follow through with those. Don't throw them away. Look, if you would, at verse number three. He says in verse number three here, remember 
all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifices. Remember the offerings that you committed to. Remember the sacrifice that you said you would do. Remember the service you began to offer. Oftentimes in the storm, we begin throwing things overboard. We begin to say, oh, uh, I don't know that I need this anymore. I'm going to let that go. And I'm not being insensitive today to your struggle and to your battle. But I'm saying many times people use the trouble they're going through to forget about the commitments they've already made. Those commitments vary in degree, some of them very small and some of them very great. How many of you heard somebody that said, boy, this is my church, I love this church, I'm going to be here, this, this, is, this, is, where I, this is where I belong? But then a month or two passes and, and you'll hear them say, oh, I got a lot going on right now, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it to church. They just let go of that commitment. How many of you heard people say something like, uh, well, I, I, I've been a pretty active and participant in, in the tithing, but you know what? I had some unexpected bills come in, and boy, everything's getting so expensive right now. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to tithe right now. Hmm? You know, if expenses went up for you, it went up for the guy next to you. If your insurance went up, it probably most of the other people in here, their insurance went up. You know, everybody else's groceries are more expensive than they were last year. Pretty much everybody's in, in that boat. What I'm saying is you have a decision to make when you're in the face of a turmoil or struggle is are you going to keep your commitments or are you going to throw them overboard? We say, oh, hey, can somebody cover my place on the usher's? Yeah, just not, I, I just got too much going right now. Oh, I can't make it to sound ministry, or I can't make it to do my thing in the nursery, or I can't cover my class this week, or I've got these things, and I'm just saying what is important to you. There are commitments that we've made that are a lot greater that many times people throw over in the storms. You may be here this morning and in your marriage, you're contemplating throwing out that commitment. You stood at the altar before God and man and said, till death do us part. But there's a storm. How many married people have been through a storm? Every one of us. You know, they say the first year is the hardest. And then the second. <laughs> and then the third. <laughs> and then the fourth, amen. <laughs> yeah. There's something about it being a life sentence. I don't know what that. <laughs> you know, really, honestly, though, there, it seems like there's times in life that are really hard. If, if, a, if a young married couple can get through that first year, 
it seems like they, they're doing pretty good. They can hang on somewhere between three and five years. There's some transitions in life. Maybe it's some new jobs. Maybe there's some challenges that come up. Maybe kids introduced the, into the mix. And somewhere between that three to five years, there's another pretty good battle. I mean, it really puts a test on the marriage. But if they can make it through that, that storm, then there's a pretty good chance that they're probably going to make it to somewhere around 15 years. But it seems like right around 15 years, there's another pretty strong, big, something happens. I mean, you go through a midlife crisis and you go buy a new car without your wife knowing, and then it's all over. <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm not going there. Um, I'm just saying those things happen. Sometimes you're going through a storm, and if you're not careful, you're going to throw away your commitment. And you live the rest of your life with this regret because you didn't hang on through the storm. You know, when you get, when you get to the other side and you've weathered it together, you're closer and you're stronger. You've got, a, you've got a bond that's that much stronger, but you've got to be committed. You've got to just stay faithful through it and get to the other side. And when you do, you're just, you're just excited and thrilled about it. What I'm, Satan's going to come and he's going to try and get you whatever commitment it is in the midst of the battle. He's going to say, you don't need that. Throw that overboard. You know, what's, what's, what's the things we usually do? Like, let's say money's really tight. What is the thing that we let go of first? In a general sense, we could have ideas, but let's just, let's just summarize it as something that you don't need, right? Junk, yeah, the junk food. Maybe the Starbucks coffee, you know. Basically, what I'm saying is what you usually let go of are things that in your heart and mind you say, I don't really need that. That's not really that important to me. And so I'm just wondering what it says when we let go of our service for God. When we're in a storm and the first thing we do is say, oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it to church. What we're doing is we're letting go of the things that are least important to us. When they really should be, we already covered this. What's our anchor supposed to be holding on to? Who is our anchor? Who is it that we're trusting in? Yes. Beloved, the reason that you keep your commitments is because God knows what you're going through. God never forgets your faithfulness. He is keeping a record. He knows your committed heart, your obedience, your faithfulness. And in the end, you'll be glad you did. So don't throw in the towel on your commitments. Keep, fulfill your obligations. Do what God would want you to do. Even in the midst of the storm, you say, boy, it's hard right now. That's when you get to display your faith. When it's hard. Fourthly here, this is a practical thing as well, but I want to encourage you to achieve all your counsel. Look at verse number four. In verse number four, he says, grant thee according to thine own heart. And fulfill all thy counsel. He says, grant thee according to what's in your heart. And fulfill your counsel. The, the, do you have a dream this morning? 
Do you have a vision? Do you have a goal? Do you have an expectation out of life? Something that you would like to see happen? What I'm saying here is don't throw your dream overboard because of a storm. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. You see what happens in a storm is we begin to get discouraged. We begin to not see any light and we begin to think this is useful, useless. God will give thee the desires of thy heart. If you have a desire, if you have a goal that's God honoring and uh, would, would please the Lord for you to accomplish, then don't throw it overboard. God will give you the desire of your heart. Amen, Stephen? <laughs> Those of you who don't know, Stephen proposed to my daughter this weekend. And yeah, she said yes. <laughs> so congratulations. God will give you the desires of your heart if you just hang on. Amen. <laughs> try a little harder. Oh, now you've got to pray for me. <laughs> they wanted to pick a wedding date. And I said, well, 2025 is looking promising. <laughs> they were not interested in that. God, God wants you to have the desire of your heart. When we get into the storm, what we want to do is oftentimes we give up on the dream. We say things like, this is impossible. I don't know why I ever thought I could do this. Have you been there? You thought, boy, I don't know why. Maybe you thought I was going to start my own business. And you think, man, I don't know why I ever thought I could do that. This ain't going to happen. Because you're in a storm and you're going to throw away what the potential that's there, what God may very well want you to do because of the storm instead of just weathering it and get through to the other side. Say, boy, I, I, I don't know why I ever thought I could be a, a, a spiritual, you know, faithful, consistent Christian. I don't know why I ever had that dream. I might as well just give up. That's what Satan wants you to do. To give up, give up on that dream. You look around, you say, boy, I, I wish I could be faithful like this person, or I wish I had the consistency of my life or the faith that this person has. You think, boy, that would be amazing if God could do that with me. God can do that with you. Amen. Satan's going to bring a storm into your life and try and discourage you from pursuing that and get you to throw in the towel and to say, boy, it was useless. You know, storms are dream killers. I'm just saying, achieve your counsel. What's in your heart, keep going after it, even though the wind is blowing, even though the battle is fierce. You know, in times of trouble, it's not a bad idea to fine-tune. It's not a bad idea to, to just evaluate and figure out, okay, what's the most strategic way forward? But I want to encourage you, just don't throw it all overboard. Just don't give up on it all because there's a storm. Keep pushing forward for God. You know, you'll have strength to do it if you remember to carry your petitions to the Lord. Look at verse number five. In verse five, he says, we will rejoice in thy salvation. You know, you're gonna get through the storm and you'll be able to rejoice in the salvation of the Lord, how he brought you through. In the name of our God, 
We will set up our banners because why? The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. The Bible tells us over and over and over again to carry your burdens to the Lord. Call on me and I will answer thee. Pray without ceasing. But many times we feel like, oh, my needs are not that big. My burden is not that heavy. My storm is not that bad. I mean, surely God is too busy and and doesn't have time to deal with this struggle. But I want you to know that God, nobody that's ever called on God got a busy signal. God is there. And he's ready to hear and he's ready to answer. Call on him and he'll carry you through the storm. Listen, the storms that we face, they're going to pass. You're going to get to the other side. You will, th- this too shall pass. But when we get to the other side, are we going to be cowering in shame? <clears throat> or will we be able to stand and praise him for bringing us through?